This is The Ethicists, a podcast from the New York Times Magazine. I'm Amy Bloom, novelist and writer-in-residence at Wesleyan University, and along with my co-hosts, we're going to debate and then answer some of the tricky ethical questions Times Magazine readers send in every week. And let me introduce my co-hosts. Jack Schaefer is a media writer for Politico. Welcome, Jack. My ethical whiskers are twitching. (laughs) And Kenji Yoshino, a law professor at NYU. Hi, Kenji. Hi, Amy. Coming up, we'll tackle reader questions about Walmart and Hellfire and about bringing happiness when none was intended. Okay, so here is our first question about reviewing hotels fairly and honestly. My wife and I recently stayed at a very good hotel in South Beach, Miami. We were generally happy there until our third day when our room was broken into and we were burglarized. Luckily, our out-of-pocket losses were only $100 or so. The hotel moved us to another room, but seemed to show little concern beyond that. In the end, I made a huge stink with corporate, and they refunded us one half of our stay. I made no promise to not mention this in the online reviews of the property. My wife wants us to post online reviews about the burglary and the hotel's response. I think it's unethical to do this after they more than made good on our misfortune. Who is right? I would say the hotel may not have been able to control the burglary or prevent it. I'm willing to think that they couldn't have done that, but they did have a choice about how they responded to you. And reviewing their treatment of you and acknowledging that they refunded half of your costs after you made a stink seems to me to be a good and useful review that other potential guests would be interested in. Um, I think the question is not... How unkind is it of you to post an honest review after they've paid you back for half of your stay? I think if you are interested in online reviews, then this is the kind of information that people would like to have. How did the hotel behave? I agree with that. As long as the review is both accurate and complete, I don't see anything wrong with uh, posting the review. But here's the question. If you don't post a review, I also think that the that would also be an ethical uh, posture to take uh, on the grounds that they, you know, made good. So when the uh, letter writer asks who was right, I would be inclined to say you're both right. Neither of these is a clearly unethical move. I think of this as sort of the ethical equivalent of a gimme putt. I have to agree with both of my esteemed colleagues here. I am intrigued by the idea of the phraseology. I think it is a greaseball thing to do. Um, we could change the name of this column perhaps to the greaseballists and we would give like a, maybe a one to 10 ranking for whether something is greaseball or not. But I, I'm, uh, I'm in full agreement with my colleagues on this. It's clearly ethical to write an honest review no matter what compensation you've received. Okay. So three stars up. It's absolutely right to write an honest and thorough review. And I have to disagree with that last part for Kenji. I don't think it is at all bad form to write this review after the hotel reimbursed them for part of their stay. I don't think one thing has anything to do with the other. The review is about how did the hotel behave while we were staying there. Oh, maybe I misspoke. I was just trying to answer the letter writer's question at the end, who was right? And I think that they're both right. You know, I think that either posture is completely ethical. Oh, I think the wife is right. (laughs) I'll just add, well, at a minimum, it seems like we agree that it is fully ethical to write the review. I think where the disagreement may lie is whether it's unethical not to write the review. So whether or not you are permitted 
to write the review is uncontroversial, but whether or not you're required to write the review under ethical standards seems to be a bone of contention between myself and Amy. I think you guys are starting to veer into manners, questions of manners rather than ethics. Yes, I, I think the manners and ethics are, are, are often intertwined. But how so? Because I think of the ethical thing, the only thing that tips me in favor of writing it is really your responsibilities to third parties, right? So is it unethical to withhold this information from other people who might want to stay at this hotel if the hotel is going to take a lackadaisical attitude towards burglaries? So now I'm arguing against myself, but that would make me lean towards saying that it would be an ethical posture to write the review and agree with Amy. I'm just not sure that I'm willing to say that it would be unethical not to write the review. I mean, I don't think that that everybody in the world who stays at a hotel has an ethical obligation to write a review about everything that happens there because I couldn't stand to receive all that information. (laughs) So there's an ethical obligation not to deluge other people with your uh, information. But then isn't the answer, Amy, not to be too contentious here, but isn't the answer to who is right, they're both right? I guess I don't see how it is a greaseball move to complain about how the hotel behaved at the time, even though later on, after he made a big stink, they went on to reimburse them financially. These seem to me to be quite separate things. And if I'm a potential guest at the hotel, what I am most interested in is how were guests treated at the hotel during the time of their stay? Okay, fair enough. I'm going to leave this a happy agreement around the fact that what the wife wants to do is ethical. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Let's dive into our next letter about Walmart, pamphlets, and hook, line, and sinker on religious freedom. In a Walmart public restroom, I found a booklet someone placed on top of the toilet paper dispenser. On the cover, there was a drawing with images of ghouls, monsters with fangs, and skeletons at a bedside of a sick patient, threatening screams, fires, and unbearable pain, and the concluding sentence, and now you know the terrible price for not believing in Jesus. I took the pamphlet, not to read it or pass it on, but because I didn't want a person to be intentionally terrified for being human, and I know the harm that comes from messing with the person's understanding of God. I was married to a fundamentalist who pointed to scripture and verse in the Bible to prove that I was an abomination to God because I cut my hair. Tell me what is ethical. Should I have left the religious tract in the bathroom? Has it really come to this that there are people out there campaigning to make Walmart bathrooms safe zones? The mind boggles. Bathroom's not a lending library. From the description of the letter writer, the pamphlet could have been accidentally left on the toilet paper dispenser by the owner who forgot to retrieve it. You're under no ethical obligation to preserve its place on a dispenser, nor do ethics command you to remove it lest the delicate flowers in the garden discover it and discover some sort of imagined terror. I think the letter writer is overstating the subversion contained in the pamphlet. It's clear that no matter what you do, including giving it to the Walmart manager for his decision, would be okay. What do you think, Amy? I think that, um, I guess my answer is by all means, toss the pamphlet. I don't think that the letter writer stole it in any way. I think the letter writer took a piece of paper from the restroom and threw it into the trash. And I have done this with garbage, too. And I don't think that ethics require either that the letter writer leave the pamphlet, as you would say, as you said, Jack. I don't think that 
ethics require that they leave it in the public restroom, but I also don't think that ethics require that they are unable to remove a document that the letter writer finds offensive, that was left behind by another patron intentionally or unintentionally. And I am sure that if I left a pamphlet expressing my beliefs in a Walmart restroom, I would not be shocked to find that it had been tossed into the trash can soon thereafter. I don't think the letter writer has an ethical obligation to leave it there. And I think they are well within both their rights and ethical behavior in tossing it in the trash because it is not a forum or a library. Yeah, and I think that it's those last words that you said that really are the clincher for me. I was struggling a little bit, not much with this question insofar as we had had an earlier question that said, uh, if my gym supplies magazines and somebody puts a gun magazine in the stack, am I allowed to edit the stack and take out the gun magazine and throw it away? And we all resoundingly came down on the side of, no, you may not throw it away. Uh, And I think that the distinction here is that in the case of the earlier question in the earlier podcast about the gym, the gym itself had created a lending library of sorts uh, for its patrons. Uh, Walmart is not doing that here. So it's not creating any kind of forum or library, as you say, uh, Amy. So I, again, think of this as a very easy case and easily distinguishable as well from the uh, question that we came down the other way on, uh, also unanimously with regard to the uh, gym lending library. All right, then there we are, three pamphlets up. It is ethical to toss it in the garbage. It would also be equally ethical not to toss it in the garbage. And on to our last question, which has to do with who needs the $50, who gets the $50, and who has the right to dispense the $50. I work in a public hospital in a poor neighborhood. In between seeing patients, I placed $50 into my pocket and went to use the public bathroom. I then went to buy lunch and realized I had lost my money. I ran back to the bathroom, but it was gone. I later told the story at a staff dinner. The next day, a staff member told me I would be happy to hear the money went to a good cause. Her, quote, down-and-out patient, a struggling 25-year-old girl with a bad knee injury who had lost her job. Apparently, she came running into our department to declare how happy she was to find $50 the previous day and felt her luck was finally turning around. The timing of her coming into the bathroom was exact. My colleague said she was about to tell her she might know the money's owner, but felt she did not want to spoil the girl's happiness. She also said that knowing me and how I care for my patients who are needy, that I would want the girl to have the money. Did she do the right thing? No, I I think clearly the colleague did not do the right thing here, that the individual who lost the $50 may be extremely other-regarding and altruistic, but ultimately it was her $50 and therefore her decision to make about whether or not to express her altruism with the $50. It was not the colleague's uh, right to impute that decision or really to take away that decision from the letter writer. Uh, This is the kind of question that drives me crazy because it makes generosity endanger the giver. You know, it makes people who are kind or other-regarding have other people make assumptions about how they'll behave and then do things on their behalf that they might or might not do. I would be pretty critical to also of the, the staff member. She's, she or he is signaling their concern for somebody, but the, that concern's not coming out of their pocket. The relative poverty of the finder and her, and her great happiness at her discovery constitute no ethical claim on the money. And 
where the money should have gone was some sort of lost and found with the promise that if no one claimed it, the finder would be the rightful owner. Um, so I'm on the same page as Kenji. I have another concern, too, about the ethical behavior of the uh, staff member, which is that I'm surprised that the staff member didn't at least mention that the money probably had an owner and was not a gift from the universe. I don't call that spoiling the young woman, who, by the way, is not a girl. She is a young woman. She's 25 years old. That um, not spoiling her happiness is not a reason to give somebody the green light to take money that doesn't belong to them. You know, the staff member didn't do the right thing, but she could have. She could have informed the young woman that the owner had been found, and maybe the letter writer would have decided to make the $50 a gift. And I understand that when there is real financial inequity, um, it is not just a question of the letter writer's right to keep the money. These are not the only things to be considered. But I don't feel that the staff member acted ethically either in their advising the patient, the 25-year-old who had the bad knee injury, or in um, pushing the letter writer into the corner of being obliged to um, turn over the $50 that they had no intention of gifting to somebody. Forgive me for using the word gifting. Also, if the colleague were taken at her word and she really was sure that the letter writer would want the girl to have the money, then there's actually no harm done. The same result that the colleague wants would transpire if she told the girl that the letter writer might be the owner of the money. If the letter writer is indeed the owner of the money and the colleague is completely confident that she'll hand it over to the girl out of altruism, then she will. So this sort of betokens some lack of trust, in my view, in what the letter writer will do, and the colleague is really taking the decision out of her hands. As well as giving poor advice to the young woman with the knee injury, it seems to me. All this said, all this said, and all this agreement, I, um, I've been accused in these podcasts of being a softy, and I think mm-hmm. that this story does appeal to the softy in me. I mean, imagine if there was this hard luck case um, who's injured and lost her job, and, and she's absolutely delighted at discovering this money. You know, it might float, flood your brain with uh, neurotransmitters. You'd want to be part of that joy and not tap into, you know, your ethical sense of what is the right thing to do. So that's my momentary moment of softness. And now I'm going to go back to being a hanging judge. (laughs) Does that mean that we all agree that the colleague did not act ethically and should not have declared that the money was a gift from the universe and that, of course, the colleague whom she never mentions to the patient would be happy for her to have it, that she did not do the right thing. Yes, and I would just say to Jack's point uh, that in the same way that Aristotle says you can't have uh, courage without having fear, I would say you can't have ethics unless you can overcome those neurotransmitters flooding your brain. And that's it for the ethicists. If you'd like to send us your ethical quandary or comment on the show, you can reach us at ethicists at nytimes.com. If you'd like to leave a voicemail question for us to answer on the show, the number is 212-556-7070. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes. Our producer is Ann Hepperman, and the music is by the band Broke for Free. For Jack Schaefer and Kenji Yoshino, I'm Amy Bloom. We'll talk to you next week on The Ethicists.